Funny thing that my husband just ended on that note, because that's, that's what I'm teaching about. Am I allowed to start talking now? <laughs> you know, I, when, when I was a little girl growing up, you know, I grew up as an atheist, and, um, and I really, I was into it, you know, pretty rah-rah, militant atheist. God's stupid. Anybody who believes in God is stupid. It's, you know, those, that's for the ignorance, foolish people that believe in God, weak people. But I was kind of a, an existential child, which is a little strange. At, uh, you know, seriously, I think I was thinking that way at, you know, as, as young as I can remember. And I used to really think, though, like, I, honestly, I think, I'm sure I must have not been older than four or five, and thought, but if there's no God, then what's the point? You know, I, I would kind of play that out in some ways of just going, okay, because you die and it's over and it's done. And so then what I would think about is what is there in life that's really worth it? You know, because I would get aspirations of things like, oh, I'll be famous, yeah, you know, I'll be rich, yeah, you know, just sort of like, I'll help people, and, you know, you know, I thought about all of those things, but it was really interesting, because every time I thought about the highest calling that I could come up with, like, you know, being rich, or being famous, or, and then I go, what, I would kind of play it out and go, but if you're dead, then what difference did it make, you know, just sort of like, if you're dead, and that's all that there is, and you're not going to remember, you know, you're dying, you don't remember anything that happened, I would just sort of go, that's all of a sudden, all of these things seemed just empty, you know, just really empty. Now, I really think, so tonight, actually, as we're moving along in Corinthians, I want to talk about living for a higher purpose. Because I have to say, um, I believe that God's intention is for us to be sublimely fulfilled, you know, to really feel like our lives have meaning and purpose and are rich. I think God's idea really is that we wake up excited about life. I think he wants that. I think he wants that for every single one of us. Um, I feel like I've got that. You know, it's so bizarre. Like, I started off having you know, pretty rough, rugged life in a lot of ways, and, you know, I'm lucky to be alive. But I wake up actually really excited about life every day. I mean, I just, and it's funny, I think, well, why isn't everybody having this? Because I wake up and I'm like, good morning, Lord. I really am. I'm like, I can't wait. I'm like, even before I open my eyes, when I can feel myself waking up, I'm like, hey, Lord. (laughs) You know? And I think it, it, it's funny because in Ecclesiastes, which is a very existential kind of book, if you're into that kind of thing, um, it's, it's kind of cool. It just like, it keeps saying like, like you could look for all these higher, pur- you know, these ideas that are higher purposes and then you get there like riches and then it's like chasing the wind. Really empty, basically, is the concept. And then, it, and then it kind of concludes with, without him, without God, who could eat or find enjoy? Basically, how can you enjoy anything without God? So I really want to talk about 
I feel like that's kind of the through line in this section of uh, 1 Corinthians as we're going through it. So look at 1 Corinthians 3. And first we're kind of addressing, now remember we are in the context of this. Um, This is a reproof epistle. This is kind of echoey. This is a reproof epistle, which reproof is like when people are, it's it's like smack, smack, you know, kind of thing. Oh. Um, and the Corinthian church was doing some wild things. Actually, as the weeks go on, you're going to hear some really crazy things that they were doing, having sex with their mom, stuff like that. It was like, yeah, it, they were kind of getting a little out there. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but so so some of this, it's really funny because we always think of for, as Corinthians as being, because it has amazing things like all about love, you know, things like that, but starts off in 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready yet for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. So here's a few things that he's talking about, is that there, for one, we want to really understand that there is a spiritual growing process. You know, when you first get born again, except Jesus is your Lord, you're like a newborn baby. You know, it's like God, and, and your relationship with God looks like that too. You know, God's, God's cool with that. You know, you don't, can't really do anything for yourself probably. You know, it's just sort of like, you don't know what's going on. You're not that aware. You know, it's fine. And so there's a difference in the beginning of our walk with God. If you think about what being fed milk would would be like, you know, spiritually, you know, maybe the milk of, it talks about the milk of the word, you know, the milk of the Bible, you know, like it might be things about God loves you, you're special, you know, like <laughs> things like that, like, you know, how do you talk to a little baby, you're not, you know, you're not reproving a baby, do you know what I'm saying, like it's a baby, you're just like, oh, you're so cute, you're just the cutest little thing ever, but and it's great. It's great to get all that milk and to just get fed and be in receive mode. But what if you stayed in that mode when you're 30? Would that be appealing? Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody here, does that sound like a good life really at 30? Suck on the bottle, have somebody carry you around. Do you know what I'm saying? Change your diaper. You know, I'm not, like seriously, how appealing would that be at 30 years old? So there is something that we want to be looking at People do that in, in certain ways where people don't grow up. But the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and saying, I, you're, still, you're still needing milk, not a good thing. You know, this is like, I, I'm needing to talk to you like you're not even spiritual people. Because you have not really been walking with God and growing and learning in that relationship gosh, you've been around this while and, and you're still acting like babies that I still got to talk to where you don't understand the spiritual realities of life. And last week we talked about the whole thing of, you know, kind of, you know, life in the, in the spiritual dimension, that there is a whole other spiritual realm of life and life looks differently when you're living life connected with God and spiritual realities. So he's saying it's a reproof thing because, you know, um, He's saying, I, I got to talk to you just like, like worldly. Like, I can't even go to spiritual realities. I've got to talk to you like as if you're, 
you know, don't even know about spiritual truths in a way. It says, you're still worldly. For, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? So what does that tell you when there's je- jealousy and quarreling going on? What's that indicative of? You think about jealousy. I've been jealous, right? You've been jealous? Envy? <laughs> Liar. <laughs> you know, think about it. What is that? Are you living in the spiritual plane if there's quarreling and, and, and jealousy? You know, part of this really is where we're going to be talking about living, God, living life in that spiritual dimension and seeing things with spiritual eyes. Um, continuing at, from last week, it says... Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, remember we talked about that last week, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? They're looking at spiritual things as if it's where you go to church that matters. Guys, we don't want, we want to be kingdom focused. We want to see God in the universe as being God the creator of all life and not being about like having some kind of argument or schism about where people go to church. You know, what is, what is that fighting about? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is about people have different ideas. People worship differently. People have different opinions about that. What do we, what's the point of that anyway? What do, you, what, I, what do I care how other people worship? Why, why would that bother me? Praise God, people are worshiping God. What do I care how they do it? Do I want to control them? Do you know what I'm saying? How carnal that is of just going, we're mere people. How much do we know? Our understanding of God is limited anyway. We're we're little people. He's God. How much can we really know? God, I'm telling you, I really believe we're going to get to heaven and we're all going to be wrong about some something, probably a lot. You know, right now as human beings, our endeavor is just to understand God as best as we can. That's why the concept of being a seeker is where we want to be. We want to be kingdom-focused, that it's about the kingdom of God, not looking at people, not looking at the fleshly things. It says, what after all is Paulos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe get it into perspective. As the Lord has assigned to each his task... I planted to the seed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. So we really want to think about this because, oh, and then it says, so neither he who plants nor he that waters is anything, but God who makes things grow. Now look at the jobs we have. Have you ever grown anything, a plant? You know, so in life, this is so cool as far as finding our path goes. He's talking about somebody plants, and really he's kind of talking about as far as sharing faith goes. Somebody planted, somebody shared their faith, somebody watered it. You know, now you can argue over who should get the most credit, the planter or the waterer. If you think about what, what the heck, you know, you planted seeds, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you shared your faith with somebody they didn't really believe? They just went, ah, screw, I could care less. You know, whatever it was, but you're planting seeds. So somebody else comes along 
and there's a little seed in there and that person as far as hearing about God and somebody else comes along and waters it they nurture it they you know they continue to feed that so what are we going to argue over who gets the points do you know what I mean it's like and plus when you look at this which is the big job you put the seed in there that was some work that's valuable we need somebody sticking seeds in the ground Somebody watered, that's a good thing, it's valuable too. But where's the hard part? The one that plants the seed, the one that waters, or God who makes it grow? God who makes it grow. Because there's nobody that can make it grow. Any one of us, all of us can do different things. We can plant, we can water, we can sow in. Our part, we should do our part. It's not like our part doesn't matter at all. You know, planting and watering are important in whatever it is that we're called to do as far as our gifts and our abilities go. But everybody's arguing over what value their contribution is as opposed to we're all in this together and it's all about God who's making it grow. We're just sort of putting our little part in. Again, spiritual versus fleshly. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Like, they should be working in the same, you know, it's the same team. Do you know what I'm saying? That we're all in this together, no matter, you know, who we are or where we are or where we go to church. Or it says, and you, and you get rewarded. There is rewards for planting and watering. Some rewards are now, some rewards are in eternity, but for what we do and the gifts that we, um, that we utilize. It says ver in verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now, what a funny picture that is. What, is, what do you think when you think about that? We are God's fellow workers. I get this picture. I mean, I don't know what, it, it, think about the image that it conjures up for you. Like, to me, it's like, okay, you can think about it. Okay, God and I are working in the factory together. We're working in the soil to get, you know, here's God, here's me, and working together. Sometimes I get a picture of like, you know, Giovanni and how, you seen him, how, we, how he wants to help pack up, you know, after church. And it's just like, it cracks me up. Adam gets this, now he's, you know, this big. And Adam gets the cross and, and he's like so intent and in helping. So Adam's carrying it and he's feeling very important in the back, you know, holding his and everything. And so he really thinks he's carrying the weight of this cross, you know. And he's feeling so excited to be involved and be contributing. I think that's more the picture of how we're fellow workers with God. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a little bit more accurate of a picture <laughs> of what that looks like. You know, it's not like we're doing the heavy lifting, guys. We're Giovanni in the back, like, hanging on, going, hey, I'm working with my dad, me and my dad, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's okay, though. It's exciting. I, sometimes I think about it, you know, as far as, like, in life, if you think about what is it to be working alongside with God. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be a minister to do that because it says whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. You can be a fellow laborer with God wherever you work. You know, you don't have to be a missionary or anything like that. How is it that you go to your job or you do the things that you're called to do Anything can be spiritual, guys. 
Anything that you do can be for God's glory and can be spiritual. You know, that we can live and be like little Jesus representatives here, you know. Sometimes I think like, hey, I'm incognito, you know, like, uh, like I'm, a, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ and nobody even knows it. Was, um, you know, and sometimes I think about it as far as the fellow laborer goes. You know, I get this, this picture of here's God, and I'm holding his hand. I'm going, okay, where are we going now? Okay, I get to, you know, we'll go to work with God. You know what I mean? Like, I get all these pictures in my brain of what that looks like. Here's God. Here's Jesus. Okay, guys, where are we going? <laughs> you know... We can do all the same things in life, but a lot of this relates to last week as far as our purpose and how we're seeing the things that we encounter every day. Are we taking God with us in those things? You know, it's, it's, you can live a life that in everything that you do can be fulfilling and meaningful. You don't have to have a job that's necessarily the most meaningful job in the world. You can have a, any job be meaningful. You know, if you're living life for, for God's kingdom and for all eternity. It says, for we are God's fellow workers, and it says, you are God's field. Now, that's another image. It's just they, they got these three images here, so you just got to ponder them. I mean, I think it's kind of fun, like... What would it look like that we're God's field? What, what does that, you know, to me, it's kind of a cool image of, like, that's, that's where I want to be, really, is I want to be a place that God can plant. You know, I want my life to be something that's open. Where the, and you think about all these planting things. I like to, you know, we're all kind of city people in some, some ways compared to the agricultural uh, culture of biblical times, but I, the images are so cool when you think about it. Have you ever, like, what kind of ground you plant things in it makes a difference? You know, there's a big difference between planting something, and there's a lot, there's parables about this and all kinds of things in the Bible on stony ground or, you know, in, in hard rock-like soil as opposed to, you think about great soil and what they do to prepare it, but, you know, to have a really good harvest is they get out the, you know, rototiller, you know, and, and whatever, and they tear up and break up that soil so that it's got all kinds of, of air in it, and it's loose and open, and it's great for growing things. I, I want that to be my life, you know. It says uh, there's actually a, a thing that talks about our... Um, you know, breaking up the stony ground... Um, and then it says we're God's building, you know. I don't know if that's whether he constructed it or whether he... It also talks about the, us being the dwelling place of God living inside of us for that. It says in verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an, ex, as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds for... No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, you ever th 
you know, you guys know foundation's the most important part of a building, right? If you don't have a good foundation, you can build nothing. It's, like, useless. It's no good at all. Um, and he's saying, in this work, we want our foundation in our life to be spiritual, to be the things of God. It says in verse 12, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now, Let's talk about this a little bit because, you know, I, this goes back to my concept when I was l younger of wanting something that's going to last and matter after I die. You know, like doing something that actually endures. And it's interesting because he's talking about, you know, what we build on the foundation, you know, on our spiritual foundation. It says you can build, and look at that, it's, gold sounds good, right? Who does, you would build gold? You know, usually you think that was pretty good, or silver, it's not like, these are not bad, you know, you just go, wow, it's, that's, you're going, it's kind of interesting in all of these examples, costly stones, see the first examples are things that you'd think would be desirable to build, and some of the best, best, like, worldly things you could build with. Costly stones, wood, all those good things. Hay or straw, which is the other example of you could also build with garbage. You know, I mean, some people go all out as far as building of their lives with things that are temporary but costly, like high, high living kind of stuff. You know, you think about what that might mean, whether it is careers or fame or fortune or whatever. But people go all out for things. You know, and then it says, or some people build with, don't even do that, and build with straw or, you know, straw, build with straw. That's not going to build very much at all. But in the end, guess what? The straw and the gold wind up the same. You know, they, they got the same outcome as far as what we do with our lives. Because what it's saying is for all eternity, what happens, there's a day, it says, of judgment that everybody stands before the Lord and what they've done for their lives. Now, this is not for eternal life because, you know, eternal life is grace by saved. You don't work for it. But it talks about the fact that there is a day where the works that we've done and, and whatever disappears by fire, which is basically all the stuff that we do that's more you know, temporary, earthly, things like that, disappears. It's gone. Which is kind of the reality of just what happens when you die. And you can't take it with you. You know, with whatever those things are. It says you're saved. And it's interesting that they use, I was thinking about this as far as what the, what it says, if what he built survives, what would survive then? It's the spiritual things. Those are the things that aren't going to be burned by, by fire. It's whatever you have done that you've done for God. It could be helping somebody. It could be loving somebody with the love of God. It could be what are the things that you've done 
where we're, where we're living in the, spiritual, in the spiritual realm, where we have the eyes of going where we want to be representatives for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want, in whatever it is that we've sowed, those are the things that aren't burned by fire. And then it's interesting, it says, he suffers loss. He suffers the loss of you worked your whole life and it's gone. It says, a loss of the rewards you don't get. Because there are, it also says, honestly, I don't really know what it is. It says that there's rewards for what we do for God here. I don't know what that looks like. To me, it's a little bit like, I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't care. I just, I want to please God. I really do. I, I, all I care about, I don't care what the rewards look like. I don't. I can't even relate. What do you mean rewards? I, I'm blessed now. Do you know what I mean? Like, what do I need rewards for? You know, I, I'd, I'd be happy to be scrubbing the toilet in the kingdom. You know, I, I'm with God. There's no more tears, no more sorrow. I, give, me a, give me the toilet bowl cleaner. I'm going to be blessed. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, I'm not a big fan of cleaning toilets, but, you know, I bet you, that, but I'd be blessed in the kingdom to be doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need rewards. I think for me, seeing somebody's face that's there because I spoke to them about Jesus Christ is like, I'm going to be crying my face off. I'm going to be like, oh, it's really here. We're really here. This is it. You know, you know people whose lives you made a difference in to me is like, well, I, who cares about crowns? No offense, God. I don't know what the crown, I don't understand that anyway. Um, so I think it kind of says, it's kind of interesting, it says, you'll be saved, you suffer, but only as one escaping through the flames. I wonder, I was wondering like what, when I think about that, it doesn't mean like anything happens to you, but I think what, it, I think it's going to feel like crap to stand before Jesus Christ and say, I've done nothing for you. I'm just thinking, I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, it's going to feel like, oh, this sucks. Do you know what I'm saying? To have your life stand by. You know, I just want to at least do my best. I don't know if it's going to be anything, any great, uh, great thing. But all, all we can do is give it our best, right? It's just sort of have the, it's a heart. God looks at the heart. It doesn't have to be that you do something grand or glorious, but it's using your gifts, using what God's given you to glorify God and to help others, to pass on the love of Jesus Christ. I want to be that. I want to be, like, I just want to be a good representative, you know? There's a lot of bad ones out there. I just, I want to be somebody that's not giving Jesus a bad reputation. You know, I want to be somebody that gets his love by the way that I live in whatever way that I can. Uh, that's my desire. I get excited about this. I mean, I'm like, wow, I'm telling you, for this, I can relate to, this is way better than my acting school. I have an acting school. People get very excited about it. They get to be on TV and in movies, and everybody gets very excited about that. I get excited about this. You know? I'm really thankful I get to do the acting school. But it's just sort of like, I'm, I'm excited about the things that, are, that aren't going to disappear in the flames. You know, as far as what I'm living for. That, to me, is worth a lot and, and makes life worth living and meaningful. It's living for a higher purpose. You know, if you haven't read The Purpose Driven Life, I recommend it. Rick Warren's book. Has anybody read, read it? I'm telling you, if you haven't, grab a copy. It's so inspiring, so, so inspiring about purpose. It says, and then in verse 16... 
Do you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Now, just to clarify things, people say that your body's the temple. Your body is not the temple of God. This is plural, and even the scholars, the NIV scholars, acknowledge it's the temple of God is the whole body of Christ. It's everyone that, that, that is the dwelling place of God. It's not one person. Um, you know, so if you eat McDonald's, it's not a sin, in my opinion. Some people do think, you know, you just, the temple of God, you ate McDonald's. That's not honoring the temple. Um, the temple is everybody. It says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. It's you, plural. Do not deceive yourselves. Any, if any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become as a fool that he may become wise. I'm telling you, you can't, you know, you got to be empty to get full. You know, you got to get, you got to know what you don't know or you're not going to learn. You know, like to receive from God, you have to get how little you know. That's when you start learning, right? Have you noticed that? You know, everything cuts off learning. Um, for the wisdom of this, wo- of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about men. All the things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Okay. So God has made each and every one of us for a purpose. Everyone is unique. We've been talking about that. Everyone is gifted. I really believe that, that God can bring each and every one of us to live a life that's full and rich and multidimensional. And I'm not saying it doesn't look like you're serving the Lord and the rest of your life is a, I don't know, um, like sacrifice, you know, de- like you're deprived. I'm sorry, God's paradoxical that way. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else gets added to you. You cannot lose by living your life for God. You cannot. It doesn't work. The math, I know it doesn't make sense on paper. It's God's mathematics. Do you know, it's just sort of like God is God. We can't understand that. It's just so limited as far as what we can understand. I've seen it for my own life. You know, whether it's been my career, whether it's been my relationships, when I have said, I'm living for you, God. God has taken me to places I never dreamed possible. You know, I love my life. I love it. I, I just, I'm always amazed at the people that don't. Like, really, really. You know, I, I, I guess I used to think I liked it, but I like it way more than I ever, you know. It's just sort of like, it's not, God can heal us. And I know it's funny because we do, do the ambassador reports and everybody, you know, believe it or not, some of the healing comes from getting real about the stuff that's hard so that you can let God in to heal it. Pretending everything's hunky-dory and putting on a smiling Christian face doesn't heal anything. You know, it's, it's light dispels darkness, so as, as we open our lives to him, God and people, God and people, as John Mark's sharing, you know, it's just like the answer, you know, for healing for everything. It's the combination. It works all the time. But it can also work in helping every single person has a purpose. Like God's gifted you. And he can take you to places that are just 
out of this world where you wake up every day excited about life and feeling like your life has purpose and meaning. But it comes from not, you know, from having the desire to grow spiritually, to see the things that we talked about last week as far as the spiritual dimension of life. Amen. Okay. Let's pray. I'll pray and bless the offering. Thanks. Uh, and then I think we get a couple of announcements. Uh, Heavenly Father, you, you do make life sweet, exciting. I just, life it would be so boring without you. I just really, it would be black and white instead of technicolor. And um, I'm just thrilled at how much you make everything sweeter, whether it's even just fun times are sweeter with you in it. And every time I don't include you, it just really does feel emptier. Um, God, I just, I just pray right now for each and every one of us that we can more and more not see the world through the eyes of the flesh, but really be seeking your purposes, be seeking your realities, be seeking your presence in our lives, uh, and allowing you to guide us more and more. I thank you for these things, and also ask you, Lord, to bless this offering, that even that, that that's a way that we can really look for you and be seeking your purposes with our finances. That I love that you're a God that's just not about you know, spiritual things, but even physical things are spiritual, like money, you know, like our finances, but that you have made a provision to provide for us and that we can walk out in faith and trusting you by giving and that we can never outgive you, God. So I ask you to bless this offering. Uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.